Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. It is 10.13 a.m. Monday episode here. So uh, yesterday, did that. I don't know if y'all watched that. Y'all, <laughs> I don't know if y'all listened to that long ass episode on uh, Saturday. That was fun. <laughs> on uh, Sunday, yesterday, you know, spent the whole family time, family day type of situation. I think I mentioned before, but my sister wanted to do like a bonfire, watch scary movies, and all this other stuff, and uh, it was it was cool, you know. Um, again, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of scary movies, so I didn't partake in that part, and they did that way too late. Um, early in the day, we started off, you know, um, little go to the store, get some food, and all that stuff. It's always a kind of a adventure when you're trying to go to the store with like uh, all your siblings and things like that. At least with me, my siblings, it's kind of funny. Um, what else did we do? Got back home. And, uh, what did we do at first? How do I forget? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I forget the first thing we did. But Oh, yeah, yeah. We were playing Batman. Goodness. Yeah. Got a new little Batman set. It was crazy. Like, the whole set was like $5. I guess it was just trying to get rid of everything. But, um... Uh, hand that up to capitalism, you know, you just gotta get rid of the, your stock because you built too much instead of, you know, by building on demand, but let's not, let's not get into that yet. <laughs> but yeah, um, got a new Batman set, we, so we was killing it, playing Batman out there, it's pretty fun, quite a while. Made some simple hamburger, hot dog, baked bean type of situation, and then we played a uh, Manhunt. So Manhunt is a, uh, you don't know it's kind of like it's kind of like tag or hide and seek but outside in your whole like neighborhood well we constrained ours to like one street because at least half of us you know couldn't couldn't run uh very much (laughs) um and um it it was cool it was pretty fun you know i was hiding in trees or tried to hide in the tree (laughs) um and other stuff but yeah that was pretty cool then we had uh set up this little bonfire and um we were telling scary stories by the by the fire get into this um age-old tradition <laughs> so it's funny how uh these stories and things like that tend to roll as you're staring into a fire doing a whole stereotypical you know marshmallow thing making s'mores i'm not a fan of marshmallow so i'm like eh but it was cool as well cute <laughs> um and then yeah that was that was pretty much it <laughs> it's a nice chill day um once again it's just fun to hang out with the fam that's something i want to that's one of the things i'm going to miss when i finally you know move out to my own place it's gonna be great great being on my own um or at least you know with my partner uh, super great but you know i do love my family and um, definitely gonna miss them. So I want to do regular, regular uh, kind of just weekend things, or you're going out and exploring. Cause once again, growing up poor, you don't really get to go anywhere. You know, uh, we've lived in Atlanta in our, our entire lives, but most of us have never been to most of the things in Atlanta. Um, maybe like I've been to Six Flags once, um, thanks to a school field trip back in uh, high school. And, um, 
but most of us haven't been to all the little places and stuff like that. You know, your your Coke factory and, and um, what else? The Cheesecake Factory or even the Martin Luther King Center and all this other stuff. Like you know, so I would love to be able to take my siblings out to these different places and and then you know begin traveling. Um, we already are trying to set out plans to uh, go to go to you know different cities nearby like Savannah or Panama. Um, Panama City or um, you know this is Myrtle Beach South Carolina you know all these different places and just start traveling more and more and just see more of the world as we as we are able to do so um, but yeah I'm super looking forward to it but it's frustrating because I'm, I'm still not there yet I still have like zero dollars in my bank account <laughs> So it's difficult to do things that I want to do. That's a huge problem, right? That's a huge, another reason why it's, why capitalism is so kind of ridiculous is the fact that literally everything costs money, right? And this goes into, you know, some of what I want to talk today. So let me see if I can, you know, talk, kind of, re, not recap, but like, what's the term? I don't know. Just just explain what, introduce what I want to talk about today, and we'll see if I get to everything. So I want to talk about the fact that, you know, capitalism requires money for everything, just about everything, and how that's kind of crazy, right? If you look at this from a historical standpoint as well as a, just a logical standpoint, it's kind of, kind of really, really, really weird and disturbing, dystopian in a way. Um, then I want to, you know, talk about some ideas I had for video games and... Um, and uh, just like fictional worlds that are alternative history or, uh, well, Saint, that was from St. Andrew. Now, of course, I've already been talking about games like this, but St. Andrew, um, who I've talked about before, who has some really great videos, go check his YouTube channel out, St. Andrewism. But anyways, on this tweet, he made a tweet, you know, talking about how it would be cool to have sort of alt history game strategy game where it's it's less about like colonizing and building your empire and instead just you know um living a uh, egalitarian life or something like that and um that's something i vibe with a lot and i've been talking about myself so i had a slew of ideas you know loosely based around that kind of thing so i want to share some of those then um some more things i learned about about and from graber david graber um, in terms of uh, bullshit jobs, I watched his uh, video on that, or one of his videos on that, and that was fantastic. Um, I tried to watch his videos on debt, um, but I didn't. For some reason, it just wasn't holding me. <laughs> so I gotta watch that another time. Um, I found this new YouTuber called CJ the X, CJX or CJDX or something like that. Really, really interesting personality um and super great videos highly suggest looking up that that person um i don't know exactly what i want to talk about in, in regards to them because i was just binge watching a bunch of their videos last night because everybody was watching freaking scary movies <laughs> so i was watching those videos and it was it was great but it went over a lot of great topics and i don't know which one i want to i want to pick on yet um or, you know, talk about yet. I think that's the main stuff to start with. 
yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> I want to keep this not, uh, relatively short, under an hour, because I got a book club to get to at 11, and um, I need to eat. I'm quite hungry, because I just worked out, and um, yeah, so let's get into it. So first, the idea that everything should cost money is very weird, because just think about this as simple as possible if everything costs money right that means you need money to live <laughs> and so that inherently means that you are essentially coerced right to work not because you want to work or because you you know there's a certain job that is uh exciting for you or you know there's some value that you see in the world and you want to give that value or anything like that it's just because you literally have to work in order to live because once again everything costs money this is elementary stuff right obviously but just repeat that in your head <laughs> and this has struck me for a long time as something that's kind of weird and kind of primitive right because we say all the time oh those those savages those <laughs> barbarians those you know or at least like our our the, the back in the day you know it was so miserable back then because we had to they had to work every day in order to survive they had to go hunt their food they had to go do this then do that and you know aren't you so so proud of what we are right aren't you so you know <laughs> you're privileged today because you don't have to do that right you can just go to the store and get what you need all this other stuff right but then we're literally doing the exact same thing we're we're working every single day in order to survive like if you don't work you will not survive here <laughs> right like it's it's really sick it's really it's almost the exact same thing sure it's a little bit abstracted sure we have more conveniences but i'm not even going to get into all the you know problems i've highlighted before in terms of you know um inequality and and uh depression and loneliness and alienation and all this other stuff like not even gonna get into that because I've talked about that a lot, but just just think about the simple idea. Like at its simplest, it just doesn't really make that much sense. It's not that much more or any <laughs> it's not more advanced. It's just different. Before people had to work to live, and that that the form of that work was direct action. Right? It was directly going to hunt or forage. Or really both of his forage, but hunter gather fish you know things like this um agriculture but it was direct almost everything you did you obviously saw the 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 fruits of your labor today you don't see the fruits of your labor you get money in return for your labor and you have to believe that that money is will give you the fruits of your labor right that money can allow you to get what you need to survive and of course once again we, we we say you know those times were hard and you know terrible for people um it was ableist and everything like that but that's exactly what we do now like <laughs> if you can't work if you're you know, handicapped and all this other stuff it's extremely difficult to get a job even though we have all these quote-unquote laws you know that makes it illegal supposedly to discriminate on people based on their you know 
um, ability or their age or their race or you know perceived race or whatever but we know for a fact like everybody knows it's it's really difficult to get a job if you're you know anything outside of the norm so once again how is this any better <laughs> you might say again most people right when they say uh, we're better is because they point to all these conveniences that we have but then you have to show that these conveniences come at a great cost right they come at the exploitation of other people or other or the environment as opposed to before where because people had a healthy view of the environment and because people can only get what is in their local environment it was next to impossible to exploit other folks it was next to impossible to exploit the environment in such a way that it cannot recover right it was obvious that if you killed a certain amount of deer or if you you know gathered a certain amount of berries you had to wait until it you know until there was more left i mean until there was more that that replenished stuff it's it's an obvious kind of thing yeah immediate response and versus delayed response uh cycle so yeah it's just it just kind of boggles my mind that once again we, we we deem ourselves so far advanced and yet the the almost literal structure of our lives is pretty much very similar to where we were before only difference is that we've disillusioned ourselves or rather we uh, delusioned ourselves <laughs> we you know we, we believe in these delusions um, a lot more than any other time in history so this goes into um, this next idea of what I was going to talk about next Graber I think I mean I can I can kind of piece it into these other ideas too but oh no no that's where I wanted to go first the idea of the alternate histories and and um, the games so to me this this goes into the idea of um, creating these alternative history games or future kind of sci-fi games because it shows us different ways in which we can live right our fictions very much reflect our current ideals and our current constraints of our imagination this is why it's so difficult for many people to imagine a better future or even a ooh, excuse me or even a different future a different world right because they look at this where we are now and they think this is how it's how it should be how it always has been so forth and so on and of course <laughs> that really limits your imagination from what you realize is possible and what you think should be possible and so here are some alternative history kind of or far or not even far future but uh, sci-fi games I think would be really cool to do first based on St. Andrew's t tweet um, imagine civilization like the civilization game but instead of um, viewing yourself as as uh, growing empires and having to stamp out the quote unquote barbarians or the savages who want to live in their you know primitive hunter gather cultures. Um, instead of doing that, 
what if we call the game society and we were going back and forth on the tweets too because i was like man you know i wanted to like repurpose the, the the use of the word civilization to include those who who are hunter gatherers and um or just use any other type of um kind of organizing their society outside of how we typically uh, think of it in terms of these hierarchical structures but St. Andrew pointed out that, unfortunately, civilization as a word has a, has a very close bond with the idea mm-hmm. of those who are advanced and those who are savages, right? Like, that's kind of, unfortunately, the, the immediate, almost definition of the word civilization and idea. But the word society is more open. Right? You can easily refer to hunter-gatherer societies um, just as much as you can... Uh, westernized societies or hierarchical societies and things like that so yeah imagine a game called society (laughs) or something of that sort where you're developing and or maintaining anarchic communities or any kind of community it could be anyone but it is you're free to, to to develop your community in any way you see fit right and it will show you the pros and cons of those different communities. So instead of boxing you into, you know, this is how you have to build community. Like this is the only way in which, you know, a community can work. In which it makes you think that, you know, of a, of a social evolution cycle. Because that is, that is a problem, part of the problem too. Like the civilization game and many of these other games makes you think, makes you believe in that whole social Darwinism, the uh, social evolution theory. And which I explained before is bunk. Like, and you can look this up yourself. Like, look up social evolution theory. And you'll see that it's one of the first things they developed in the 1900s, based off of, um, probably based off of that Rousseau thing I was talking about, that Rousseau thought experiment. And of course, Christian thinking, because we have to realize that the idea of evolution is very recent. Right? Darwin came up with this what 200 years ago or so. Right? And before that people used to think that oh why are we here is because some god created us and you know therefore we are different right we are better than other people or, or than other things and we're here to rule right we're here to, we're here to kind of be the masters or even like the if you want to have a less dominating standpoint the shepherds of the world right and even that is problematic because again it's, it puts you above on a pedestal compared to all the other animals <laughs> um but anyways, the kind of Christian thinking makes you think that, you know, we are here to use the world as we see fit and to enact God's plan or whatever that means, right? Um, and, and a lot of people used to believe this, you know, on the, on the everyday people as all the way up to aristocracy and stuff like that. Like, everybody used to believe this pretty much. It was like, a, you know, how most societies structured themselves. Granted, most societies um, were polytheistic, so they didn't believe in one power everything they believed in um, even though they may have believed in gods or this idea of think oh wow this this leaf is just like floating on this well I presume it's a spider spider uh, web but I can't see the spider web so it just looks like it's floating in the air like some kind of ghost it's hilarious but anyways <laughs> um, yeah and in the, in the polytheistic I know I'm going on a tangent sorry but real quick like it is important Many polytheistic religions, you know, automatically realize that even if you were 
think yourself to be made by some, you know, um, greater power. That didn't necessarily mean that you were better than the other things on this earth because you'd realize that they were also created by these greater powers. And in fact, many cultures, um, and this is, you know, all across the world, whether it was in Europe or Africa or, you know, the Americas, you know, um, any culture that was not pretty much mono, what do you call it, monotheistic, they realized and, and, or at least they believed that, you know, there were animal gods and there were plant gods and there were, you know, basically there was a god for everything, the air, the time, all this stuff, right? And so they didn't necessarily believe in a, in a strictly hierarchical environment, right? Because even if you believe in a higher power, if everything around you is also part is also its own higher power, like if there's a plant god or if there's an animal, I'm very simplifying this, but you know what I mean, right? There's an animal god or there's a plant god. Then you're not going to be like, oh, humans are better because we have, like, we're fashioned after God. Like, no, you're going to realize, you're going to be thinking that, oh, no, you know, there's plants that are fashioned, they're fashioned after a god. Animals, they're fashioned after a god. Human, we're just a different, you know, god or a different, you know, uh, thing. So inherently gets you to appreciate, you know, other forms of life on an almost equal playing field. Yes, you have some advantages to your life, like maybe you can, you know, go in and break that tree. But you also realize that that tree probably lasts longer than you, right? And that tree from that tree is your, you know, is from where you get your sustenance. Therefore, if you, you know, break all the trees or, you know, kill all the trees, then your sustenance is gone too. And so it inherently gets you thinking in terms of a systematic process. You have an almost intuitive systems thinking um, society, right? As opposed to a monotheistic religion in which you think, you know, you are fashioned after God, right? And therefore you are better. You are above everything else. And you can use the environment how you see fit because, you know, God made you to enact his will, right? So it's a, it's a cyclical nature that kind of feeds into narcissism from a, from a very, very deep level. And, of course, I know people are going to disagree, and I would love to, you know, have that conversation. But this is how I see it so far. And then once again, this is based on a lot of my own reading into all these different religions. And this is before I, I was, you know, you know... I was learning about capitalism or before I was learning about, you know, all this other stuff. I just noticed this between these different religions and different ideologies is that, unfortunately, this monotheistic religion is very, uh, very uh, problematic, <laughs> right? It inherently almost gets you to um, try to convince people to your side. It gets you into a, 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 a uh, um, us versus them scenario because if you you know I'm I'm not gonna go too much into religion. I I was thinking about this stuff before I got in the podcast and I told myself I didn't want to talk about it, but here I am talking about it. I'll probably make a whole nother episode for it. But it is a really important part of this, right? Because once again, religion, especially monotheistic religion, is a huge part of human history. And a huge reason as to why colonialism and all this other stuff was, you know, done. Because um, they believed that they were doing God's work by trying to bring people over to Christianity. And, of course, you had holy wars, which were hundreds of years of wars. Like, basically, we, we get mad about the, nowadays about, you know, uh, the jihads or whatever you call them. 
um, in the Middle East, but I mean, th that was literally Christianity and Catholicism for hundreds of years during the Dark Ages. I mean, <laughs> we don't, if you, uh, let me, let me stop, let me stop. Okay, so, anyways, <laughs> a world, a game or something like that where you are building these different societies that are based on different ways of developing your society will allow you to think about how society is structured and what it means to live in a society right one part of this i imagine is like society <laughs> the first base game will be you know maybe starting from anarchic societies why because it's very different than what we live today and because it allows you to experience different types of societies that's that's a huge i never played the game civilization but i've seen you know um a good amount and it's, a, it's a fairly simple idea around it um but it's the same with many games in which the thing that makes the game fun all right is things like progress is seeing change is being able to like solve puzzles and you know do a lot of these different things that engages you in the content right gets you thinking gets you in entertainment and all this other stuff and you can do that with an anarchic society um or with the anarchic society game in which progress is deemed as you know how long can you maintain your society through the auspices of time right and the reason why it's so interesting is because you have to realize once again especially once you you know learn about how these native american uh cultures uh, structured their societies is that time is one of the biggest um reasons as to why societies rise and collapse because over time you begin to have that that uh fundamental problem of communication all right but trying to communicate what you've learned and um what you are like your wisdoms through culture and things like that right over time if, if you don't learn your history then you are bound to repeat it. You know, you might have heard that before. And you're bound to make really stupid mistakes because you repeat the same mistakes that somebody else made because you didn't realize somebody else made them. <laughs> um, you think you're just, you know, doing something new and you're just falling down the same hole that somebody else fell down, right? Um, and you can kind of see this throughout history. Like, it's when a time, when a, a society collapses faster than it can, you know... Um, kind of when it has like an extinction level event type of situation right before it can give that knowledge over to the next generation of people or if those people for some reason forget that knowledge somehow right then it becomes really almost prophetic where they repeat the same mistakes and you can see this in in uh these type of anarchic societies not anarchic specifically and here's another this is another part that makes the game really interesting is that the next part is the environment right the environment very much structures how we structure our society and how we think about our society so you have to kind of progress your society and say oh during the summer you know maybe you structure your society this way and during the winter you structure your society that way right but when you change that right in the process of changing your society from say for instance a hunter-gatherer kind of um, small uh, groups dispersed and decentralized into a centralized kind of city right and then you you come across the problem of trying to make sure that uh, the when you come together and centralize your resources that you protect those resources right and in doing so you have to make sure that the people who are protecting those resources do not themselves covet 
you know envy those resources and then you know use that against everybody else to um, maintain that power um, so it, it very much has you live out the whole power corrupts because it makes you it's not you kind of see this in a you know regular kind of empire building game um, but it's kind of normalized right and it's almost justified because you have to right uh, gain this power you have to use this power in order to maintain your seat but what if you played a game where you realized that maintaining your power right comes at the cost of of a lot of other people and comes at the cost of your own society's adaptability right so you think oh yeah i'm just going to maintain my power i'm going to build an empire and then you realize that you start enslaving people and all this other stuff right you start um exploiting the resources the environment and then you see the environment going you know downhill and all this other stuff then you're like oh shoot what have i done right and now you have to um disband it or rather somebody comes and disbands you <laughs> and then you're like oh sheesh and then you play the other side all right um where you're hunting gather societies and you see somebody else is trying to build an empire but they're exploiting people and all this other stuff and you got to take them down Right? So that could be a fun, you know, kind of back and forth if you want to make it a PvP type of scenario. Or, or, it doesn't even have to be based on that. It could just be based on the, um, and this is really going to a different type of game. Like, what if it, it's a Sims type of game? Like the, like the Sims, where it's just kind of slice of life type of situation. It's kind of more chill, right? And so the everyday part of the game is just living in a hunter-gatherer society. Or living in a egalitarian city, right? In a place where you have decentralized power. And it's just, it doesn't make a huge deal about um, what the rules are and all the, uh, or what the, what the kind of um, legal system is or all this other stuff, like the politics. It's just like The Sims. You're just uh, piloting a character, making a family, you know, but you're in the context of this kind of decentralized system. So it, it normalizes what it will be like to live in that egalitarian society and hopefully that will get people thinking like oh wow what if you know <laughs> um that's kind of what a really good part about games and, and media and, and just fiction is it's like kind of gets you to think about art right that's what art allows us to do really useful art allows us to get to think about how the world could be and or different ways of viewing the world um so yeah you have the sims games you have the society game now another one, kind of like a sort of action game. I I kind of sort of see this for some reason as like a almost Ubisoft type of game, like a like a Watch Dogs type of thing, right? Where you have to um, build an anarchic or solo punk society from the clutches of you know kind of a capitalistic hegemonic society. So you get to you know do some ethical hacking, some some green vandalism and what i mean by that is like seed bombing where you we have and i learned about this in the, in the uh, one of st andrew's videos it's really cool where basically you make like a you put some native seeds to your local area that because you remember, remember a lot of our um environments today is very very much colonized where the native plants are not even allowed to 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 exist <laughs> because you know for the sake of these lawns which are based on you know european um um, species and and uh this that's from another video i saw uh the 
origins of lawns and that was very <laughs> eye-opening um, but even if you like think that's not really true the fact is like either way like lawns are kind of a wasteland and kind of waste of space and waste of energy waste of water um, kills a lot of the you know local fauna local flora so <laughs> anyways things like seed bombs are basically like you put native seeds in like a clay um, type of uh, like ball <laughs> and then you you know throw them in places that that can get water and all this other stuff and over time the native plants will will grow and uh, you can do this in places that are blighted for instance because there's a lot of these places unfortunately um, places that are just dilapidated you know run down nobody takes care of it because the landowner for instance like wants to keep the land for some reason right but what if you you know just seed bomb it with native plants not like invasive plants that are not from the area but no the, the actual native species who are usually better equipped to live in that area and to foster an eco eco uh eco habitat ecosystem habitat so um you know things like this this green vandalism if you will um, can allow you know the, the native population to make a comeback and um, that would be like really cool type of gameplay that you can do in there so when you see like these dilapidated blighted areas you, you can throw seed bombs in there stuff like that or you have like a flash mob where you come a whole bunch of people come and swarm this this kind of blighted area and start planting things just build a, like a little garden there and every now and then every couple of weeks or something like that you come back and water it and make sure it's you know proliferating so that over time, all these blighted areas become, you know, green kind of spaces and everything like that. All right. This would be really cool to do, I think. It was a really cool type of game. Um, but sometimes you might even need some eco-hacking. All right. So you have these big tech companies. And this would be very cathartic to a lot of people, right? Have these big tech companies or oil companies. And then you have, like, some hackers come together. And you got to booger up their computers and their systems in order to stop their production. And then you can maybe sea bomb it or, you know, um, do anything like that. Another another really cool type of gameplay item would be something like uh, like a comeback for um, Ludism. Uh, the Ludites. Or the Luddites. Whatever you say. So, again, this could be like a flash mob type of thing where a whole bunch of people, you know, ransack a factory and start smashing all the machines. <laughs> um, again, I don't really condone doing all this stuff in the real world whether or not it's effective it's hard for me to say some people say it is some people say it's not i don't know um just because in the real world you have to worry about police and um you know uh the fact that there this usually comes at the cost of the workers not the actual um um you know company sometimes it depends you know there's there's a lot of back and forth with this but in a game setting it can be very cathartic for people and you can kind of hand wave a lot of this stuff um, like games tend to do but once again it's it allows people to just imagine like what if we did you know things a little bit differently what, what would that look like um so yeah being able to fight against capitalism in the game i think will be really cool because in the real world unfortunately a lot of people think it's like impossible to fight against capitalism right they have a fatalistic mindset and it's really kind of strange, once again, because you have this idea that, oh, yes, we should pay, obviously pay for to work, right? Or, or I'm sorry, pay for everything that we have, right? And therefore, we should work in order to make a living. But then people, <laughs> when, you, when you say, okay, what if we didn't, 
right? What if we didn't, you know, pay in order to, um, or work in order to live? And, oh, what you going to do? You're just going to sit around and be lazy? I'm like, no, no I'm going to do what I love to do, like maybe garden. Or, <laughs> you know, people, people have a very negative idea of what human nature even is. And so if you can show, you know, different aspects of human nature in video games or in media, then people can begin to realize that oh, maybe I'm wrong about how I'm just, you know, assuming that people are naturally negative. And again, there's many aspects of our current life and which makes it seem like um, humans are inherently bad. Like, for instance, a lot of the Internet, the fact that there's a lot of trolls and this, that and the other and harassment. People th- think that that is a proof positive that humans are inherently, you know, bad or something like that. But for some reason, they don't realize that the Internet itself, how the Internet is structured today, encourages that sort of behavior. Right. Like we know this, like with the whole Facebook whistleblower situation and um, some corrections on that. On my last video talking about Facebook, I mentioned that it was an attack or something like that. Apparently it wasn't. Apparently it was just a, um, a mistake <laughs> that it took their entire Internet down. Um, they were doing some sort of maintenance or something like that. Um, the fact that it happened right after, you know, this whistleblow situation is kind of really, really convenient to me. It's kind of kind of strange. I'm like, hmm. I mean, but convenience has happened, but, you know, it's kind of kind of weird. But anyways, apparently it was an accident. Um, somebody from the inside was trying to do some sort of maintenance and they shut the whole thing down. Uh, I'm not going to get into details. You can look it up yourself if you haven't already by this time. But anyways, um, the fact that Facebook, you know, encourages and of course i say oh no we don't encourage hate hate uh <laughs> hate and violence and none of that we don't do that that's not in our our, our terms of service right <laughs> but obviously like anybody who's been on facebook is is can see what's what, what's happening right like the algorithms you know um it's like the whole traffic uh the whole car traffic thing or, or accident thing that i that people talk about in metaphors in terms of algorithms it's like if an algorithm was meant to, you know, create traffic or manage traffic, um, it, based on how social media is, is, is designed today, it would think like accidents are good because people stop and look at them, right? It's just optimizing for engagement, <laughs> for watch time or whatever, right? So it would create more accidents. Um, granted, that's not how the real world works, but you get what, what I mean. Like in a, in a social media with these algorithms, it literally it the they use they want more engagement, they want more um, sensationalism, they want more watch time and all this other stuff. And unfortunately, anger and things like that is a great way of of doing that, <laughs> right? Because that's what the whole purpose of that emotion is for: is for you to be engaged with something, just do and want to want to do something with it. But they co-opt that with like, oh yeah, you want to do something? Hit like comment right it gets you to that immediate <laughs> um hijacking of the of the brain and uh, unfortunately you know that's how a lot of social media is designed and a lot of not just social media but you know online forums any other website in which depends on ads because they want more people to come to their site and engage with their stuff so they can see ads and therefore they get money and so any any website in which has, you know, primarily an ad-based revenue system is also using a similar type of um, engagement metrics and, and things like that. So a lot of the Internet, right, is dependent upon this negative abuse 
of the human mind and the emotions and psychology. And so it's not that, you know, the fact that people troll and harass online is not some, you know, door to the human mind. It's the it's the results of, you know, abuse <laughs> of psychology and things like that. They can easily be some really positive and really amazing, really wholesome communities as well. But you have to um, develop that. Right. And the fact, once again, that you have to develop that is not because it's harder. It's just because it's different. You also have to develop a negative environment. Yeah, as people don't realize you have to develop a negative environment. But capitalism, capitalism makes that easy because the <laughs> development for that is encouraged. Right. It's an incentive to profit and things like that. Like it's it's pretty, pretty obvious there. But anyways, if we can make video games in which show the other side of human nature or, or different aspects of human nature and how different behaviors and different gameplay mechanics or, you know, um, ideas in general um, kind of expose and mold and um, encourage or discourage us to think and act in different ways, then people can more easily see different ways in which we can live. So, yeah, that's another one. And then um, one of my final ones so far is like a sci-fi or far future kind of space opera type of thing where space exploration. Because this is another part I really hate about sci-fi today is a lot of them is based on colonization, right? Colonizing space, colonizing planets and all this other stuff. And sure, you know, um, you don't have to use colonizing in the uh, European sense of, you know, going around and enslaving people or this, that and the other. Um, just the term of colonizing is just transplanting one species to another to another place, right? However, the fact that you are transplanting a species from one place to another, uh, or that species is transplanting itself or whatever, right? That is still kind of problematic, especially in the space of um, planets and things like that. Even in in you know on our world, when a plant colonizes another, you know environment that can be troublesome if that plant is invasive in that environment right if it no longer has its kind of um a balance in the ecosystem right if it no longer has the the predators that eat it or you know um the different checks to its growth right it can easily o overrun the entire environment and destroy a lot of the the actual mm -hmm. ecosystem there and then it would either die off or keep spreading to other environments and then the whole place would just be you know that one plant basically and it's, it's just kind of annoying like kudzu um so even in like the simplest terms colonizing is not necessarily a good thing right so if we were to go to different planets and this is also something that uh, isaac author says he says is really well uh, or rather this is something i got from isaac author he says um um if a species is able to go through the process of leaving its gravity well, right? It's a large amount of energy and, and, and power and stuff like that necessary to leave one's gravity well. You're not going to spend, you're not going to waste all that effort and just to live inside of another gravity well, right? It's like being able to finally leave this hole that you, was, that you were in just to go live in another hole like that's not that's not what what's going to happen right <laughs> it takes a lot of effort to leave um, a planet 
especially one that is habitable for humans one that is you know has enough has a perfect amount of gravity for our bodies and all this other stuff and you know has life and all the you know oxygen stuff like that it's 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 a lot it takes a lot of effort so if you were had that level of technology and that level of power power in, in the sense of energy right then you also have the technology most likely to build your own habitats in space space habitats right whether it's the O'Neill cylinder you know these Dyson spheres Dyson swarms all this other stuff um Orama, you know feeling all this stuff like <laughs> you can build your own almost like Eden you can build your own like perfect habitat in space and so in there you can you can fine-tune the gravity you can fine-tune the amount of oxygen in the air the the flora and fauna you know the people that are there all this other stuff like you can make it however you want and furthermore the fact that it's in space right you can more directly pull energy from the Sun granted you still want to create some sort of atmosphere some sort of protection from you know the radiation from the Sun but is it is easier to also use that as power so if you have all this technology why in the world would you colonize another planet it's complete waste it's a complete waste it's not even it's not even fun to do right because most planets are what we might think of as dead planets like Mars right or Venus like there's nothing we can really do there and if we want to terraform it it will take centuries if not millennia even with advanced technology just because you can't really speed up you know these processes <laughs> you can speed up to some extent but this is only so much time that, that, that you know this stuff takes the chemistry and biology takes in order to grow right even if we figure out how to speed grow plants you still have to build an entire atmosphere on this planet which means shipping in huge asteroids from outside of the solar system or or the comet you know or the what you call it, the asteroid belt or whatever right you know, to pelt it down to this planet and all, it just takes a lot of effort right in order to terraform something and then of course if the planet already had life right if it already has its own forms of life then you have a whole whole other ethical issue there so if anything a space exploration game should be about these higher advanced level of ethics not oh are we going to colonize this planet and who's going to live on here no it's it's should we colonize a dead planet or should we recycle it in order to feed you know or help out other species or other people or you know um other aliens or something like that right if you if you see some aliens if you happen to meet some other you know um other life forms and they're sentient you can obviously see their society or even if they're not right uh, if they're like dinosaurs or something right and if you see a comet coming to, to, to exterminate them then you have to this is, this is another higher end you know ethical question should you save them or not should you intervene and it might seem like an obvious oh yeah you should save them but remember if we would have if somebody would have saved the dinosaurs we wouldn't be here the dinosaurs were there for millions of years hundreds of millions of years if that comet never hit them they would still be here probably we would not and of course you're going to have these human haters who say oh yeah we, we shouldn't be here and blah 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 i don't i don't have time for these people right they can go play their colonization games and whatever 
it's a, a fact that extermination, unfortunately, is necessary. I'm not going to say that as a human sense, you know, because we have, we're very early. <laughs> we're very, we've only been here a few thousand years, a few hundred thousand years. That's very small in the grand scheme of things. We could easily be a very awesome creature and a very, you know, could be just as cool as the dinosaurs one day. <laughs> um, so I'm not a misanthrope. I don't, I really don't, don't care for that, that type of thing. Um, but the fact is that extinction level events pave the way for new creatures to exist right so if a if a comet is coming to destroy some dinosaurs on some planet then you have to ask this is a serious you know type of thing like oh how can you how do you balance this like what do you do and maybe you're going to decide yeah let it let them go extinct unfortunately right but however right because you're some you know um, super smart aliens and you are the now the uh, the, the aliens that we think about um, is that we can now catalog them we can now take samples of them and then like our 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 kind of role will be simply to observe to witness right and this might be something that's difficult for some people to think about because unfortunately many of us have a black and white view of the world is like save all life right but again if you save all life you're almost always going to choke out the life that comes next right this is why um death is kind of you know a, a, a part of the life cycle well that's not really why but and it, well actually this is this is a really interesting uh thing and i'll try to keep this short but i do think this sort of space exploration game this space opera game will have to really think about death in different ways right because there are very different ways to think about death like I can I hold in my mind two almost opposing views. Number one, death is a necessary part of life, right? This is the obvious view that many people have, and that you know things have to die in order for other things to have some space to live and all this other stuff. Um, however, I also have this awesome opposing view that says death is not necessary actually, because death is just an accident, right? It's just nothing was designed necessarily to die. Um, a vast majority of the times um, many life forms just die by accident right because over time it just their their cells run out of power run out of energy and or has a bunch of mutations and this that and the other like death is not necessarily designed right it's not really a, a purpose there it's just a kind of accident it's a kind of happy accident and it's how our world kind of works right now However, you could technically design a world in which, you know, death is not necessary. In which things live for a long period of time and a new balance is situated, right? For instance, with trees, they very live, a lot of them live a very long time. Thousands, you know, hundreds of years up to a thousand or so um, for some trees like the redwoods. And that could be very beneficial for the environment. It becomes an anchor point, right? And other life forms can live around it. But then you have to wonder, okay... Um, if death is, you know, kind of, if you start staving off of staving, staving off death, then more and more life proliferates. What are you going to do with all that? Right. And how are they going to balance all the, all of the, you know, the resources. And that becomes another question, right? If you want to just start sending life all across the universe because you don't want to kill anything, right? The kind of uber pacifist or uber, you know, super life 
uh, super lifers who think all life is precious and therefore don't kill anything. Try to keep everything as long alive as long as possible and try to, you know, whenever there's uh, an environment where things are too choked, where there's too much life, then you try to take some of that life and put it in other places in order to, you know, proliferate life across the universe. That could actually be a very interesting game, right? People might say, oh, that's too much work or blah, 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 blah. But it's, a, it's an interesting stance, right? Especially if there's places in which there's a lot of dead planets or, you know, this, that, and the other. There's a lot of space in space, okay? So it's, it's, it could be a viable type of strategy. Um, versus if you say, oh, death is natural, just let it, you know, let it run its course, then you can easily get to a point where everything is extinct. Because for some, like many places, like in our own solar system, you know, many of these planets went extinct before, you know, most of us have even gained sentience. Where Before, you know, our society has gained sentience. Like, they say Mars could have been, like, an Earth-like planet. Or maybe even Venus could have been an Earth-like planet. But some runaway effect or something happened, right? And now look at them. <laughs> and now we're the only life form in the solar system as far as we can tell so far. Right? And so that could easily, like, what if that happens to Earth? And then there's no life in this entire solar system. And what if this happened to all these other solar systems in our in our galaxy? Then you just have a whole bunch of dead planets orbiting stars and all this other stuff. Then then what you have, like, <laughs> so you can make an argument that you know this could be a, a viable thing. But anyways, the the point here is that oh gosh, I, I, yeah, I gotta end it. Unfortunately, I can't get to my last points. So yeah, I'm, I'm late. It's eleven oh six. Um, I was having too much fun. <laughs> but yeah, like. Building games to really question how you think the world works could be an extremely viable and extremely um, freeing form of art and form of entertainment, right? And get people to realize, you know, how different life could be. And so uh, I would love to do this sort of thing going forward. And I think this is one of the things that I've been thinking of, that I've been kind of molding or or leaning my life towards, you know, growing up. Because I've always been one to imagine, oh, what if this was this way? What if that was this way? From hover cars, you know, even before that, to, like, just, just imagining myself flying and or just, you know, reading all these different books, um, the hover cars and smart cities and, you know, um, space stuff and magic and all this other stuff. So maybe th that is one of my, like, that is kind of why I don't like regular design like design from the standpoint of just software just apps and websites because to me it's just not big enough it's not it's not different enough it's not really allowing me to explore what i want to explore because i've been kind of a little bit frustrated with myself and that i don't practice enough of my craft like i don't sit there in figma and try to you know um decode websites here or you know copy websites and copy these designs and practice, just practice my craft what i do do is <laughs> uh, what i do do with my <laughs> with my mind <laughs> i'm sorry i'm, I'm childish <laughs> what i do is is imagine different worlds you know imagine different realities imagine different you know ways of of, of uh using technology and all this other stuff and i like love to uh dissect you know, different societies and different technologies and different ideas and magic systems and all this other stuff. Um, and I think when I've been learning about design, what excited me the most was not, you know, oh, 
you know, look at that cool website, look at that cool portfolio. Like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's cool, it's nice, nice, yeah, very nice. <laughs> what excited me about it was the process, was being able to learn how to design something from that, uh, from the process of uh, learning about people, right, and how people worked, how people thought, you know, psychology aspects, and then looking at the heuristics, and which tells you, you know, the kind of the, the best practices, as, as well as to why certain things work and why certain things don't work, right, because that's a huge part of society, that's a huge part of any sort of magic system or technology system, is learning why something works from a fundamental level, why something doesn't work, right, uh, the gestalt principles and all this other stuff, it, it kind of is a cheat sheet into, you know, learning about these different things. And, when, and you can break them, too. You can try to break them and, and see, okay, in these cases, you can actually break the rules, and that will create this really cool effect, right? And that's what really excited me about design. Um, and that's what also excites me about working in XR, because it is so open, right? I don't have to you know, build websites. I can mess around with these different realities almost in these ex <laughs> uh, virtual and augmented realities. I can play around with <laughs> um, what the world could look like. And that's why I really, you know, I'm so happy I'm going to be able to, to do some of this as a career. I know, I don't know it's, it, I know it's going to be more kind of, um, not traditional, but a little bit more uh, constrained than what I really would want to do. But it's it's better than, you know, <laughs> just buildings apps you know <laughs> at least for me people i'm sure there's a lot of folks like my friend shot my uh friend carrie again um who loves this sort of thing and he could talk all day about you know how this app should be built or you know this website and this that and the other and topography and all this other stuff and i absolutely love that he loves that stuff and i can listen to him all day and it helps me to you know kind of get more inspired and stuff like that as well but that's not me like the part about design that i love is like these huge systems and ideas that are some would say impractical but for me it's like inspiring and i hope it inspires other people to imagine you know a different world so yeah i think i'm gonna try to do more of that um and i've done that a little bit with things like figma and um what do you call it uh splicer where i've been trying to just like make weird stuff like in my my website for instance i tried to do a 3d a, a fake 3d website you can see it, you can see it on elijahclaw.com on my about page um but that that the one on my about page is really really tame compared to my experiments so i want to do more of that like i just want to make like weird like use 2d stuff to make 3d looking stuff just to play around and break the rules and all these other things and i want to see if i can you know try to design cities once again i get really frustrated with these tools because you spend more time learning the tool than actually doing what you want to do <laughs> and that really really frustrates me but um i'll try my hand at it again because it's just i just get so frustrated with feeling like i have to you know live inside the box of apps and everything like that like i don't want to i want to explore way bigger than that and sure i do some of that explorations through this podcast and through and through writing but I'm a very visual person, right? At the heart of things, I'm, I'm super visual. And uh, writing and, and talking just doesn't... Do I enjoy talking more? A lot, you know? It just doesn't um, achieve that itch. Like, it doesn't scratch that itch. So, yeah. Anyways, um, if you have some, some cool tools for me to check out, I should be able to get 
a hold of them more. And now is I'm going to have some income coming in. And I'm super excited because there's so many ideas I have and I want to um, I want to make it possible. I want to show other people what the hell I'm thinking and get people inspired. So um, thank you for listening as always. And uh, yeah, have a great day. Let me know what you think about this as always. And um, keep thinking. Keep exploring. Keep imagining. And see you. Bye-bye.